What's going on, everybody? Sam Brown here. Welcome to episode number 23 of the In Between Sets podcast. This episode, we jump into a conversation with Taylor Gohn. So this is his second time on the podcast, and we really deep dive into all things strongman, powerlifting, but more importantly, coaching, what makes a good coach, how to program for yourself, how to understand programming, different sort of uh, technical things that you can consider in your programming and in how you can really boost your performance in whatever your sport may be. Taylor is truly one of the smartest guys in the industry, and he does a fantastic job not only educating people around him, but really helping his athletes achieve really, really high levels in their sport, specifically strongman. The dude's an absolute freak, <laughs> strength athlete himself, super, super strong, uh, really down to earth, really gives a shit about helping the people around him and making them better. So you're going to learn a ton of really cool information in this podcast. And I know that he will be on again, because again, he's one of my favorite people to talk to. Every time I have a conversation with him, I learn something new, I get a new perspective. And I really, uh, you know, it, it just up levels my own coaching game as well. So if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're somebody that wants to just get better performance in your sport, really have to give this a listen as this is a really great conversation that we had. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's pretty much all I got now. Uh, as you guys know, this podcast is sponsored by practicemovement.com. That's me. That's my coaching business. And it's one of the only sponsors of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns on coaching, programming, or you want to just sit down and have a conversation, uh, reach out at practicemovement.com and we can kind of do that. The other sponsor, as you know, is First Attachment Nutrition. Uh, use code PRACTICE at checkout to save 10% on supplements that actually work. Justin Harris and the crew over there at First Detachment do a fantastic job, not only bringing quality products to the market, but doing so in an affordable way where you're not getting gouged for just crap. So they're a company I believe in that I use every day. In fact, I'm sipping on my WTF right now pre-workout before, as I'm recording this before I head to the gym and get a session in. So uh, without further ado... Uh, we have episode 23 of the In Between Sets podcast with Taylor Goan. Can you hear me there? Yes. Perfect. Hey, we'll just, I'll just fucking edit that shit out, man. That's the wonder of the right. internet. No, you're good. Uh, episode 23, back with Taylor for the second time. Awesome, awesome stuff. Taylor, one of my favorite guests that I've had on the podcast. Really an amazing guy. And overall, we were just talking about kind of catching up on the Arnold, the different experiences that we had. 
Taylor, you were with a few <clears throat> strongman competitors. I had a couple uh, competitors in the powerlifting world. How were everything? How was everything going on the strongman side of things? Because that always brings a spectacle, man. Like the crowds over there were awesome. Yeah. So uh, it was. I didn't get to see too much of the pro stage, unfortunately. They kind of like isolate that back. Yeah. And between you know they're going on at the same time. So between my guys in the amateur class. I couldn't really go catch a lot of the pro stuff, but as far as the amateur class went, like it's, it's hard. Like we said, the, the, uh, the Arnold is not set up for success. Um, we actually had the opposite problem. You were just talking about with the warm up rooms. We had, you know how they had those little like gates, mm-hmm. squares of gates with each different whatever. So our guys were shoved in that to compete. And then there was a curtain and then a little area, for warm-up room, like if all the if all the athletes were in the warm-up room, they'd be standing shoulder to shoulder, oh, like this. The exact opposite problem, but right. I mean, that's that's the name of the game, right? Is just overcoming that shit. Yeah, especially in strongman. Like you're lucky if there's a bar and plates in the back for you to, exactly. for you to get up before a max effort attempt. Exactly. I mean, but, it's it's amazing to see that growth, though. Like, the strongman section itself was just one of the biggest sections there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is only my second year going, but that's that's the show to go in, you know. Mm. It, it, it sucks because, you know, I think, like, since Bobby Thompson won that show, it's pretty much been all Europeans winning it. And the way that it works for us is that you win your pro card, you have one chance to go to the amateur Arnold. Yep. And then you're just kind of done. Like you, you got ASM, but there's no real route to get into the Arnold. And you just kind of, just kind of in that purgatory middle ground. Mm-hmm. So the big thing that I saw was like uh, Lucas Hatton was the guy that won his pro card this last year at nationals. And he was asking to give his pro card back. Cause he lost by a point. He took second. Yeah. The only reason to do that fucking show is to get to the pro stage. Cause winner gets a slot in the, in the top 10 at the pro stage. And we don't send our best guys. We send our newest pros. Right. And then there's, yeah. a, there's a bunch of pros that should be fighting for that spot. They're a lot stronger, but they don't even have the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. So that was like the biggest complaint or whatever among everyone is that we just don't get to there's not a lot of respect in the rest of the world for the pro card status in america but a lot of it is because we don't even have the opportunity to showcase that you know what i mean right yeah and and it's even just being on the outside looking in the caliber of athlete overall seems to has improved tremendously over the last like five ten years you're, I'm looking at some of the freaks in there. I'm like, holy shit. They're it's all insane. freaks. They're all they went, freaks. Motherfucker, they went up to like a, they had Max Dumbbell, last man standing. <laughs> attempted 303. <laughs> they got up there in the amateur class. And that's like, you remember four or five years ago when they had the Dumbbell at the Arnold, it was like, no one's even touching that 275. No, not Two reps winning it. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's, it's getting pretty nutty. It's like, yeah. 
Dude, Every time I take a little break and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get back in there and it's going to be time. It's my time. And they're like, oh, they all added a hundred pounds of their fucking deadlift. Cool. Holy <laughs> shit. Now, what do you think is kind of contributing to that? Like information? Like, what do you think is, is the, is the progression of the sport? And how do you think it's going so fast? So I think this is true for powerlifting um, and less for powerlifting um, because it's, I think it's been around a little bit longer, but you know, we're so far away from being uh, as developed and as evolved as an Olympic sport. And I think that if you think about it, strongman was like invented in the fucking eighties. Right. 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 So I don't think we've seen peak strongman. It's, it's still like really green. You know, we look at Olympic lifting or wrestling or track and field, like we're talking like, thousand years for some of that shit or more right so the techniques the training side like you know um there's so many new concepts that are coming out for training and coaching and techniques in strongman and powerlifting that are like yeah those have been around for hundreds of years but they're brand new to our sports right so um i i think we're just literally seeing the evolution of the sports happen and that's just that's just how it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and it's, it is, it's, it's amazing to see such a boost in performance across all fields, right? Like Mm -hmm. the women are hitting insane numbers. The men are hitting insane numbers, all weight classes all over the place, Mm -hmm. right? Like they just keep getting stronger and stronger and more efficient. And to be honest, they're starting to look more and more like athletes. Like gone are the days for like in, in powerlifting, like the top level powerlifters now are lean. They look yeah. like they're strong. It's not just yeah. big fat guys in suits. No offense to big fat guys in suits. I hope to be a big fat guy in a suit one day. But the point is, it's it's really cool to see that because you've worked with with field athletes before. I've worked working with field athletes now. And it's like you can pick out the studs on yes. the field. It's like they look different. They move different. They're just efficient. And you see that with these lumbering human beings that are just so quick and efficient with the most odd objects imaginable. And it's like, holy shit. You're right. We're just getting started. We're going to see some nutty shit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like even the fat guys are like you look at them and you can see the athlete a little bit under it. It's not it's not just slop anymore, you know. Mm, absolutely. Now, in terms of the the training aspect of things, you work with some fairly high level strongman competitors, and and again, we're, this is one of the things of, of this podcast that I love so much is we get to really just talk as if we're in between sets training. Is like, what are some of the different types of training modalities that you've been experimenting with? And that's honestly, you in like Ben, like you guys are so just like in a different atmosphere than most people when it comes to thinking about styles of training or incorporating different things. I'd love to hear some of the things that you've been kind of working on. So um, the thing that I've been really getting into lately is um, posture tolerance. I don't know if there's a term for that, but that's just kind of what I've been calling it. Yep. Um, but it's it sounds silly, but just making the athlete more of an athlete and raising the lower parts of their game to increase the tolerance of their higher parts of their game. Um, and one of those things is, is their mobility and their uh, like optimizing their posture, their walking mechanics, 
their hand mechanics and stuff like that. Um, the the bigger the, you want them to be larger and fully developed, but what comes with putting on size is lack of mobility. So there's this constant, you know, just like we wave things up and down and progressing a squat, we're waving things up and down with putting on size, coming back, getting your mobility back, you know, that you had 20 pounds ago and getting that caught up with where you're at now before going up again. Um, and, and just really putting emphasis on long-term development and making that final package before pulling all the strings, pulling all the drugs, the gear, um, heavy lifting, stuff like that. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of unilateral work, like, you know, cause we walk, everything's like a cross pattern, like opposite arm, opposite leg. Mm -hmm. So the more that we can load that pattern, but maintain, um, you know, good form, good walking, good posture. Um, and then the other thing is like, so how often do you see power lifters and strong men? Like we kind of think like 70% is really light. You know, and when you get done with a show, you just go back to your 70% and you start working back up, right? Well, you can only train for a certain duration. You can only stimulate your heart rate to a certain extent under those loads. Mm -hmm. And so there's not like, you can't train long enough with 70% to get the speed and the conditioning and the work capacity developments you, you can't train long enough to get the neurological feedback to make corrections without sitting there like directly hammering a correction right mm -hmm. like you have you have to come back and train in that 50 to 70 percent range and maybe even lower sometimes um for longer durations for higher volume um but i find that like there's typically going to be three to four different styles of training, not, not even just like the techniques that you're using, but like I said, the duration that you're under load, mm -hmm. um, the duration that you're keeping your heart rate in a certain percentage of its max, uh, heart rate. Um, there's, there's more than just, you know, what, what you'll be able to stimulate at that top end. There's, there's a whole, you, you have to bring up the whole body because the, the breathing and the bracing that, that, shut down that ability to utilize the brace and the lungs and the rib cage and all of that is what allows you to lift the heavy weights mm -hmm. but you know guys will get locked up and start injuring themselves if they're not literally not training themselves to fucking breathe properly right you, you don't you don't breathe under heavy squats mm -mm. that's not the fucking point you're not breathing so if you're just constantly training rigid yeah you start to lose the ability to literally fucking move everything. Yeah. So it, it is a lot of, a lot of, uh, accessing those lower levels to bring up the top levels. Mm. That makes sense. No, absolutely. And that's, it's a good point that you brought that up is, is being able to kind of decouple the breathing from the bracing, right? Like it, that's a skill in and of itself. Like, you can even see it when someone's doing walking lunges, who's like a really good athlete versus someone who is, is needs to have that brace on all the time. It's mm -hmm. like every step they just lock up, they hit step. Yep. 
breathe at the top when they're not under load, right? So being able to have that sort of rhythm, being able to have that skill of being able to just take the air in when you need it is so important. I remember when I was working with Andy Triana, he was having me doing these fucking miserable heel elevated yoke bar squats, slow tempo for time. We're Mm -hmm. working from like 40 seconds to like 75 seconds, just like totally methodical, like a machine, just moving the body, controlling the breathing. And I remember being like, this is the fucking worst thing ever. But then I look back six, seven, eight weeks, I'm the weights I'm handling are so much heavier when we weren't really looking to push weight. All we were looking was pushing your ability to maintain that position, maintain your oxygen, maintain your breathing. And all of a sudden that capacity for being able to produce more force, produce, you know, more force from better positions increases. And that was always one of those things too, is like, if I'm working with somebody who's deconditioned, I, I totally agree with you. We drop the percentages down crazy light and we work on these positions and we work on getting them better to be, you know, it, process that energy in their body better. And it's, it's amazing to see. So that's super cool that you, I like that, that posture tolerance, huge fan. I just fucking starred that shit. That's going into the notes. <laughs> Yes, I, I found that there's a there's a point um, so in metallic substances there everything's elastic, right? Uh-huh. And you you apply a little bit of a force and to a certain point that will just bounce right back into place when you remove the load. Was this, it's the same thing with an athlete. So that, that point is linear. The amount of strain and stress uh, is, is linear. So as soon as you remove the load or, or whatever the stress factor is, the athlete can just bounce back to normal, right? But past a certain point, the amount of, uh, let me check, it's right there on the board. The amount of strain per the amount of load is much higher and so the ratio is no longer even, and you, it is required that you have external forces to get you back to a normalized state, right? Mm-hmm. So how that would equate to an athlete is competition season is where you want to be expressing past that point. And every other time of the year, you want to be in that linear ratio, increasing that bottom point. Because we know these principles work. We know if that point comes up, then you're going to have a higher in-season point. Does it make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I was actually having a conversation with one of my clients the other day about right after competing, it's like, what do we do? Like, where do we go? And it's like, okay, well, think about what we just did for the last 8, 12 weeks. We've had one goal, three lifts. That was it. We have a whole world full of movement patterns, full of capacities, full of energy systems that we can dabble with to help kind of just bring that bottom up and yeah. to get you feeling better. Because right now you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. You, you, like everything kind of just feels like shit. You, you're, you're tired. It's hard to walk upstairs. Like everything is just terrible. So now we have this entire essentially sandbox to play in to be able to express these things in different ways and get you back to baseline realistically. Yeah. Right. Because it's yeah. all about peaks. Like we, like we had talked about before it's, it's you peak for an event. 
and then that peak drops. Like it, it's just, that's the nature of the beast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, I really like what you do with this because you provide a different perspective, right? Like so many times people, especially if they're getting ready for a powerlifting meet or, or strongman show, they think of it as, especially in strongman, right? It's like you have this one show and you have these four or five, six events, whatever it may be. And their world lives within this, these five or six events. Yes. And then as soon as that's done, it's like they just, like they don't know what to do. So you as their coach has to be able to be like, hey, look, we have this show on the horizon. We have six, eight months, whatever that may be. And that's, I think as an athlete, especially a competitive athlete, you get fucking scared of that. You're like, uh, I don't have a thing. Like I don't have my blanket to uh, this yeah. event to just feel good and to focus on and put all my energy into. So yeah. how do you kind of start getting your athletes and getting the people you work with to kind of essentially chill the fuck out and have some fun with their training again? So, well, two things. One, I, I do believe that if you write the program correctly, they're literally going to look at that and be like, oh, yeah, okay, that mm -hmm. makes sense. I want that, right? Yep. Um, the other thing is I, I, I preach about the Olympic sports all the time because that's the pinnacle of athletics. Mm -hmm. They have all the pieces. And so I tell them, look, it's fucking normal to have four-year cycles. Like NCAA sports are year cycles. Olympic sports are four-year cycles. Mm -hmm. And those motherfuckers are just okay with just, that's the next time I'll compete. That's the next time it'll be taken seriously. Competitions for practicing competing, but not the big one. And I, I think there's a reason that it's four years. Like, I, I think that at that level, you know, if, if we look at, um, let's look at like Ben, for example, Yuri did it, Bridgeford did it. Um, half Thor did it. They're dominant for three years at the competitive level. And then they have to drop off for three to five years before they come if, and before they come back. Right. Yep. So um, I think that's kind of the limit is like, that's how, how long you can express those competitive things before coming back down. Only if you are prepared that well to do that. Right. Um, and <clears throat> fuck, I blanked. Four year cycles. Yeah. At, at, at that level, the only way to get significant progress from competition to competition is taking three years of preparation mm -hmm. to, to allow yourself to express those new things. Um, and so I, I just like tell people, I'm like, look, man, like you want to take this seriously. Like you treat yourself like a professional. This is, this is normal. You have to be able to do this. And some people do and they, or some people don't. Right. That's, it, that's the difference. It, and it's, it, it, it's funny you say that about the three years is, is like, you, you look back in history and you'll see all these examples of it, but think about, I mean, even from, if someone's listening to this is like your own competitive, you know, sort of example, right? Maybe you did three, four or five meets or whatever. It's like, how many of those are actually good? And how many of those did you show up as, you know, as you should performed as you should 
probably keeping that same ratio there. That's right. what I would say. Yeah. And the other thing, like on that note, um, one, if you ask someone that they, they might say yes, because they don't even have a reference point to how progress should be. Sure. So that's, that's one of the big benefits that I got from wrestling. Luckily is I saw year to year, how much you should be able to progress in that year. And if that's not happening, that's not because of plateaus or just like you're an outlier. That's literally because you're not training right and periodizing right. And there's enough athletes across enough sports to prove that, that we can take comfort in knowing that this is the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there is a certain rate of progress that you should be able to obtain. If, if you're not doing that, you need to look at things. Yeah. And now, I mean, we had talked about getting together, doing a seminar, just kind of spreading some of this, this information to different areas. But one of the best things that I think you do is you're able to articulate some of these higher level coaching thoughts ideas and, and articulate it in a way where it just, it makes sense. Like the more I think about the conversations that we've had about coaching and, and about how to get your athletes ready, it really boils down to understanding really key principles, right? Mm-hmm. So how would you kind of describe if someone's a new coach or if someone's like a, an athlete that's making the shift into to coaching or they're in school is like, what would you say are some of the really key principles people need to have if they want to be a better coach? The biggest one I think is being able to emotionally separate because coaches have egos and even besides the ego, not even if it's a negative thing, coaches want to fucking win and we're insecure. Like it definitely affects me. Like when, when one of my athletes is like, you know, if I, if I take them through one of those readiness phases and they got to slow down and take less drugs and they're not, they'll get to that point where they're under what they should be hitting and they're, they're texting me all day. Like I should be able to do this. This is way under my bare minimum. You, you, you've had that before, right? Where they're yeah. just like, what the fuck is going on? Uh-huh. That affects us. And we're like, shit, is there something wrong with the programming? Like, and you, like I've messed up before by trying to accommodate that, to try to meet in the middle and do what I want to do, but make them happy. And, and you have to just have confidence that like, no, this shit works and it'll come back around um and then and then on that same note is is picking the bigger numbers you, you have to be able to emotionally separate and say this this shit works it doesn't matter that it's 800 for fucking five reps like that's mm-hmm. that's what this calls for that's what they're capable of that's what they get um so that's one thing is being able to be very robotic and then also being able to be like all right buddy it's all like having the emotional side and then disconnecting and having the robot side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the biggest thing for me. Um, and then I guess the second thing that I would say is, is pay attention to other sports. Like look to look to the places that have the things that we don't have, because at the most fundamental level, like if something functions one way for one thing, and you can recognize it functioning the same way in another thing, we can assume that that principle and function happens for for everything, right? Like, how how do you get better at something? 
you fucking accumulate practice, right? Just like an accumulation phase in lifting, that's how you get better at learning a language or a skill or whatever it is. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I don't take much from strength sports. I take it from everywhere else, you know, even business sometimes, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's great because it is, it's, I like how you, you, <laughs> your first thing you brought up was, is just how to be a better fucking human, which is kind of odd <laughs> for, for the internet, but it, 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 it's true. It is like having that emotional intelligence to be able to connect with a person and an athlete and understand what they're going through and understand what they're feeling, but also having that other side where you're just like, yo, motherfucker, it's time to work. That's all Mm -hmm. we got to do. Like turn your brain off, do the reps, shut the fuck up. Right. There's always a time and a place for both. And I think that a a lot of the time people are so, I guess I've seen a lot of people on the internet kind of develop a persona of a type of coaching or they follow a certain thought process when it comes to to coaching and it's like i think people forget that it's about helping that person that asks you for help it's like that person is the goal that person is the whole ecosystem like we need to be able to do what we can to help that human accomplish the task that they want to do it has nothing to do with like and again i have nothing but respect for the people that came before me but it's like has nothing to do with what louis said it had nothing to do with what they read in this book. It's like, what does Jimmy need (laughs) to accomplish this task? Well, the thing about Louis too, is that people look to him for the wrong reasons. He was doing this stuff to a certain degree, maybe less, you know, like one generation behind where we're at, but like he would pick the training groups and the partners. He would, talk to people in a certain way most of those motherfuckers needed to be told shut the fuck up and go and i believe he recruited them based on not only potential but like who can handle his coaching style he didn't have like there are some bad motherfuckers out there who need to be coddled and Mm -hmm. talked to very softly but i don't think he brought in people like that because he kind of knew like i can't communicate to people like that right and so, you know, the, like, if you're going to look to Louie, look beyond the max effort because that was, that only worked because he made the environment work for that. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, it, and he had the, the concept of monkey see, monkey do. It's like, if you saw the biggest, strongest dude in there doing these exercises, it's like, well, I'm going to fucking follow that guy for a while. And yes. just do what they do, yes. right? It, it's it, it's it's amazing to see. It was like, yeah, we did max effort, but like, holy shit, we crushed it on the accessories for most of the training sessions, right? And I think people forget where you know the effort lies in, in traditional like West Side training. It was mostly accessories. It was mostly secondary movements. It was the max effort was there as more of a skill as opposed to building the foundation of, of strength, right? It yes. was, it, you, especially in gear, man, like you have to load heavy as fuck to, to be able to hit depth, to be able to hit the cues that you need to do. And like, that's why it was there. Like, that's why yeah. it makes the most sense for that. 
yeah and that's why i i have come to the conclusion that geared lifting is technically by definition more concerned with strength than raw lifting because there is much more of an aspect of velocity at different tiers of velocity where in raw lifting uh, you can only move as fast as you can control it. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of slow lifting, which is good. Like that, that, that slow velocity is part of one of the speeds needing to be stimulated. But a lot of the reason why that traditional speed work, right, doesn't work as well in raw lifting is because you're never, you can't move that fast under heavy weights, but when you have the assistance, right? But the other thing too is that you are like, when I, I get all my injury advice from my multiply guys because they pop their ribs out oh, because yeah. they're handling weight heavier than they can tolerate and it exposes all that shit. And that's why programming is much more advanced on the geared lifting side because there's much more exposure to like how to access more pathways of progress. Mm -hmm. Whereas raw lifting, it seems to be get your muscular development, get your technique down and then lift heavy. Whereas like you and I know there does need to be that speed and force production work, but maybe not in the, the sense that a multiply lifter would use, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny you say that the injury thing is, is everybody I've trained with in multiplies is, has had some of the most ridiculous injuries I've ever seen or heard in my life. I mean, our mutual friend, Adam just had a plate, a fucking plate tree go through his Achilles. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that shit is wild, but it's one of those things where like when you're dealing in the world of super maximal weights, like now you're not even just talking about fatigue. You're talking about, okay, okay. Your forearms could snap your, the structure of your body can give way. So that's a whole different level of, of training stimulus. You need to kind of account for, especially at the super high end of, of some of these weights, like someone like a Jimmy Cole, like, he was strong for a long time, but in order to handle 13, 1400 pounds in his hands, like he had to get you, like he had to train for that. Like it wasn't just something you can just throw that fucking shirt on and just, just load because you'll have forearms snapping left and right because he's built up that density, that structural density to be able to handle that. And yeah. I think that that's what kind of scares me about these band shirts sometimes is some of these people are just jumping in them real soon real fast and it's like oh man we're gonna see some shit because yeah. it, it's it, at least in in the world of traditional multiply it's like you build up for a while in, in your briefs can handle a little bit heavier weights than you could raw then you have your suit bottoms hand a little bit more than you could do raw and you build up over time if you're smart about it obviously there are some people that just fucking throw themselves to the wolves and i'll, I'll just get destroyed but the idea is you just build that up over time. And, and I, I agree with you. I think the the programming for a multiply lifter is, I mean, I'm in the midst of it. I have a meet coming up and, and I'm kind of just handling what I need to do for my programming and shit. But it's you need to touch the high level, the mm -hmm. high weight more often because now the skill aspect of it is connected 
to that higher level of weight. So it's like you you need to play in that ballpark more often, but now you need to be able to cover and be able to mitigate injury to be able to do it again. Yes. And that's why I think Louie was able to take so much from Olympic lifting is because of the common uh, shared factor of, of velocity. Yep. Yeah, it's it's cool to I mean, granted, just because multiply is fun as fuck, but <laughs> like to even to look back at, at some of the stuff like all the stuff Louis's been putting out, Westside's been putting out, just like all these old school guys, and it's like that fucking makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense for that world and it makes sense based off of the experiences they had and to see the outcomes that they had with it. And it, it's cool to take that insight, take that information and kind of carry it on to other things. But I think, I mean, in the strongman world, and that's what I want to kind of dig deep in with you now is, is there are so many different types of events. There are so many mm-hmm. different types of systems at play. One of the biggest questions that I get, if there's like a Q and a or something, or, or they're talking about bringing guests on, it's like, all right, talk about strongman training. It's like, how do you even decipher and break down all those training variables, right? It's obviously based on season. It's based on their experience. It's based on what they have access to all of that, but it is important to kind of have that conversation of understanding how to overlap these things and kind of push the whole ship in the right direction. Right. So I simplify it. It, so, it sounds a little stupid, but you got the clean and press, you got the deadlift, you got to carry, you got to throw, and you got to load. There's not that many types of different events when you think about it. When you're, when you're just practicing those things, if you're practicing those things the correct way, you should be able to load a stone, a bag, a keg, doesn't matter. Yep. You know, you start throwing shit over your shoulder you're still loading, you're still practicing that triple extension, that sequence of the body. Um, so in my opinion, the way I do it is if you optimize their movement mechanics, you rarely have to teach a lot of techniques. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is that uh, you're still only ever required to go for a minute to 90 seconds. And so that, that conditioning can stay true across all events, right? So what I like to do is I practice, we talk about making that final product, which is the show, the the ability to do the events at the show. Well, okay, let's let's say that you have a a throwing event in your your show, right? Like six six bags and it's, it's gonna take like 30 to 45 seconds, maybe a minute to get all them bitches over the bar, right? Yep. So, I'm going to have my guys box jump. I'm going to have my guys throw singles. And then I'm going to have my guys condition for a minute. Like, and then they come together. You start Mm. pulling fatigue from each of them and adding more specificity to the event. And you've got yourself a good thrower. So that box jump and that conditioning, those two things are going to carry over most things in strongman. So two out of the three things that you're doing to practice for an event are going to help you in the rest of the show. So the way that you're cleaning your log should help your stones and they should help throws, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The way that you carry a yoke should help the way you carry a farmer's. 
right? So, um, yeah, there's there's lots of different types of events, but at the same time, there's not really. Hmm. Yeah, and you're right with the it, it kind of circling back to you know what you said about the the posture tolerances. You start to see those postures and those positions repeat, right? And once mm-hmm. you start seeing that repetition, once you realize like, oh, there are these connecting pieces that you can build. I like how you're breaking that movement down the farther out you go. I mean, it's so simple, but I think people forget that it's all about developing that plan as time goes goes on, as opposed to having it like, it, obviously you have a, a longer distance plan, like a longer range plan of what you want to do, mm-hmm. but it's that in between that up and down, that bring that pivoting during those phases based on your performance, based on how you're feeling that really generates the mo- the best results, right? It's yes. the input from the coach, the input from the athlete and their, their relationship, their commitment to, you know, communicating and really articulating at things that are going on. That makes all the difference. It's less about the program and more about the execution and understanding what the end goal is. Yes. And I, I think one of the things that you do very well, and I fucking love the videos of you just fucking getting high as a kite and programming. It literally is one of my favorite fucking things on the planet because you can just tell it's like this dude loves this shit so much, just like the nuts, the bolts, the X's, the O's. And to see how you go from this big thing and you just narrow it down section by section is fucking cool to see. And I'm going to, I'll, I'll make a note of myself to, uh, put a link to those videos in your YouTube channel for people to kind of check out because man, like I said, like I love watching you do that because I'm going through that process in my head as I'm watching. It's like, I see a problem and I see, I know how I would go about it, but then I see your direction going about it. I'm like, fuck, that's so good. And you start to kind of develop those different ideas and that overlap. So man, that's, it's something you do. It's like, it's my favorite fucking thing that you ever put out. It's like, I just see you (laughs) fucking ripping on something and then just go to the whiteboard and I'm like, fuck, we got another one. We got a fucking another one. I love it, man. But yeah, no, it's, it's really, really cool to see and to just have these conversations because I think coaches don't do this enough. I think everybody's ego is getting away and we've had this conversation. It's like, dude, I want to learn as much as I can from Taylor. I want to learn as much as I can from everybody I fucking talk to. Like, I'm not over here putting up this wall of like, I am right and you are wrong. He's like, no, man. Like, if I can take one thing out of anything anybody says, win, especially as a coach, right? Because you never know when you're going to be in a situation where that can help. That tool, you can pull that out of your toolbox and be like, bam, look Mm -hmm. at that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's like – that's one of the other things that's missing again, back to the Olympic sports and looking at the pinnacle you have, it's, it's unheard of in sports to just have a single coach managing the full team. That's stupid. That doesn't happen. There's lots of coaches and those teams of coaches interact with other teams of coaches. And that's actually the normal, like we, we are the outliers in this sport. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and social media doesn't help because it gets a little muddy, muddy when you're trying to sell your personality and this and that and the other thing. And it's like, I don't know. My thing, the reason why I share all my cycles and share all my programs and, you know, the way that I'm personally training is not only to help and teach, it's also to show that, like, hey, um, 
programming isn't that special. Like the fundamentals of programming should like every coach should already know all that stuff. Um, and we should be talking about it. We should be showing it. We should be sharing it. And what makes a good coach is, is past that. Like, like let's establish the baseline. Everybody knows all this shit. And then, and then let's fucking start coaching. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that, yeah. It's, yeah. It's and you're right. Because like, it, if you look at a professional team in anything, right. Like, football there's different there's different coaches for each section of the team and not only that but even on the like the clinical side of things they have different doctors for every single potential injury that they could happen and then what mm-hmm. they do is if something happens they all sit around a table they all throw their ideas in the hat based on their own you know direction their own knowledge and expertise and then a plan is built for that person to kind of carry out through the rest of the organization and in the world of strength sports, I think people are so, a lot of coaches are just so tight to the chest. It's like, well, this is the way I have to do it. This is the only way that works. And this is how it works for, and it's just not the case. And, and especially in a world of like strongman is, is it's a small enough world in and of itself, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody knows who the asshole is. Everybody know who knows who is the good guy, who is the one you can trust, who is the one you can kind of work with. And it's still amazing to see that just play out in powerlifting and the strong man is like, I can't believe some of these people have clients, let alone aren't in jail. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the then they just keep coming back do. around. It's not even like a fluke. It's just like, Oh, like, okay, that blew over. He's back. No big deal. Yeah. No clients. It's, it's unbelievable. And I think, I mean, it, the other thing that kind of pisses me off sometimes is if I see a really good athlete, or like a really like a stellar top level athlete, think that just because they are good at their sport, they are going to be good at teaching other people that sport. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're yep. like you're world class at your sport and you have so many experiences that I could never touch, but I can almost guarantee you it's not going to be a good fit for most people most of the time because it'll just be like, yeah. well, just do that faster. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, <laughs> I've even found like the, the good ones, the ones that have broken out and are still decent coaches, but it, it stemmed from the popularity and the success of, of their own athletic careers. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they have a very hard time understanding like why – well, this worked for me. Why wouldn't it work for them? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's not like, um, and it, it might not even be an ego thing or like that, that's, you know, being stuck because it's, it's because they even realize that they're trying. It's purely because they haven't, there, there's no understanding. They haven't stood in those shoes to see it from the other way. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of it just, just comes from, a single-sided view, you know, not even necessarily the ego, but yeah, there is a lot of ego. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, there definitely is. And it, and it is that perspective, right? It is the coaches that, that do the best are able to have that perspective shift from this person versus this person versus this person. And over the course of a week, over the course of different conversations, you can really connect with somebody and build that rapport, right? Because it, you start working with somebody 
yes, as the coach, you know a lot about training, about how to get them ready, but you don't really know much about that person. It's like you can do all the intakes and what you want, but there is a certain amount of information that comes through experience with this person, seeing what happens with this person, seeing how they respond to different stressors, seeing how they respond to different volumes and loads and shit. They, they, you don't really necessarily know how they're going to respond to much of anything in the first several weeks and even months potentially of, of the program that you're working with them because again, it's just, you're building up that rapport with them and, and understanding how to best work with them. Even on a personality mm-hmm. level, I'm sure you've had clients where you're like, everything starts off good. And then like all of a sudden they're just kind of not into the process again. And they got some shit going on in their life that they're not telling you. And now you're, you have to kind of play this balancing act of trying to get them to, to perform, but at the same time, understanding what's going on. So it's that level of connection and care And there really is a short list of people. And this is like my test, right? Who do I know that's a coach that I would trust either my mother or a sibling or somebody with, or fuck, my girlfriend is like, who would I trust to coach them? That is such a small fucking list (laughs) that I have. You're on that list and not many other fucking people are on that list. I'll tell you right now. Just, yeah. It's, it's a trust factor. It's like, I, it's mm-hmm. just as, as an athlete, you want to be able to trust your coach to truly have your best outcome in mind and, and, and trying to get you to that point without trying to, I mean, you see this shit popping up all the time. So-and-so is sending their dick pics to their client or like all this chaos. And it's like, yo, they just want a power lift. <laughs> like, yeah. why, why are you showing them your dick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they would have asked to see your penis, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, yeah, so my my take on that is, like, I encourage them to go take care of the life stuff. Yep. Because I've been in the position of wanting to be a world beater and not being happy and avoiding life stuff and being a piece of shit and just, like, not enjoying the process. And the ones who are going to be world beaters – you don't have to be on their ass about that stuff. Right. So you encourage their, you encourage them to be happy and live the life they want to live and take care of their bullshit. Because once that's taken care of, like they'll, they'll either make it or they won't. It does. It's not on the coach for that particular part. Right. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, it, it, we can obviously go down all sorts of different rabbit holes with it too, but like even something along the lines of personality types and understanding, you know, how people respond to things on a daily basis. I'm, I mean, fuck, you, <laughs> you take somebody that's just kind of, you know, struggling through life, just kind of being an asshole, like just really not enjoying life for what it could be. And then it's like, now you toss them on maybe the shit, they're taking too much gear now you got this whole thing and now there all this other shit kind of happens and you could see how a a coach that doesn't have the same level of experience or care or just level of give a shit would really fuck somebody up yeah yeah it, it's it's ugly man it's a, it's a it's wild world like it, yeah and <laughs> especially when it comes to to women in the space too is i can't I, I wish I didn't know as much as I do about this industry when it comes to that shit, because like you see 
these guys telling women to take crazy amounts of this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, you have no fucking idea what you're doing. You have no idea how they're going to fucking respond to any of it. And you're a dude. <laughs> you don't necessarily know everything, you know, that you can possibly do or, or, you know, the support that you can give this person. And it's, and it's terrifying because women in strength sports is fucking booming. They're so strong, so powerful. And it's mm-hmm. like, why are these fucking scumbags yeah. just, just preying on yeah. these women that just want to get stronger? Yeah. And so the, like, I'm not saying it's the women's fault. It's definitely like just like evolving the sport. It's some of these women need, and it's not just a flip, a switch that you can flip. Like I, I get that. Like just like with anything else, you have to prove yourself. You have to see it. You have to learn. But a lot of these women need to be coaching over the guys. Like they're better at it, and they need to realize that they know what they're talking about, and have that confidence. You know what I mean? And that's easier said than done. I'm not trying to say, like, just fucking turn it on. But what I am, I'm just trying to encourage for the women that are listening, like, you are human, too. Male, female. Males don't just, like, know more about shit. It's it's just the way that the sport's gone, and it's kind of like the way society's gone. This is just more of a, a male sport up until this point. And, and now it's like, well, you guys are kicking our asses, and you're also more level-headed a lot of the times. So maybe like trust yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and the whole, like, you know, I'll look to my boyfriend for gear advice is like, <laughs> I, I fucking, I fucking hate that shit. Like the, the whole, like, uh, why don't you try Anavira or uh, Primo for your first cycle? That drives me crazy. Because it's a DHT compound, that's going to cause the most virilization, the most hair growth, the most voice cracking. And and it's just the simplest solution. It's the easiest one to cause the most or to cause the least like sides that the coach will have to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big one that I that I hate is the whole uh, go ahead and just take some Anavar for your first cycle. Like that's just that's the third pathway that I would start to access out of the different ones to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that's, and the other thing that you do well is you kind of put all of this talk uh, of, of steroids and everything that's on the table. It's a part of the conversation because it's, it needs to be, because if something's in the shadows, if something is like deemed bad or this or that, it's like, now people can be taken advantage of. Now mm-hmm. people can get hurt. Now people can really fuck themselves up or people around them or whatever. And, and like, that's, that sucks. It's like, I, we need more people to be able to have those conversations, those educated conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's one of those things too, where obviously I'm not telling anybody to do it if whatever, but it's your, if you're an adult, you have that choice. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. You might as well be educated on it, right? You might as well understand yeah. it at a basic level and yeah. not just go, I did this or I'm doing this because this guy on the internet told me to do it. Right. Right. And that like you, you do that first cycle, like, man, I swear to God, that first year on gear goes so fucking well. 
that you forget how to train and program and periodize and make decisions because you're just like, oh, it's gonna like I'm just gonna add weight next week, like no big deal. Yeah. And then it, it like you literally have to like relearn, like oh no, like that's that's just because you took way too much, way too young, and it just it just works like that. But like it's 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 medicine. It's supposed to it's supposed to complement the training and the eating and not be the main driver of progress, which typically seems what it's used for. And that's what I think, like, you see these guys taking three and four gram cycles and it's like, you don't even lift correctly. You don't even have full muscular development and you don't even know how to eat. So how, how is it going to benefit you? Right. I've done those cycles. And I'll tell you what, like now I'm fucking, I got test flu from taking 600 tests my last cycle and I've done two grams of the shit. And I think it literally fucking hits you harder when you're a better lifter and you're more developed. You're yeah. just utilizing it better. Yeah. And so I, I, I really encourage the people that are listening to this that are into using like, you know, if, if you want to be the strongest, you want to see the best that you can possibly be, it, it is it is last on the list of things that cause progress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, and the thing that pisses me off the most is, is the fact that you'll see people jump on a cycle, jump on gear, and then they have the conversation like, all right, now how should I train? It's like, dude, you're put the cart before the horse. It's like, yeah. you want to be able to flip that card when it makes the most sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to have to take gear in high school to get off a of JV. Like you don't want to do that. You want to be yeah. able to really maximize what you do. And like you said, augment and to be able to help kind of add those last few percentage points, as opposed mm-hmm. to making it the cornerstone of what you do. And then, it's so fucked. It's like, all right, now I'm taking this. Now I can, now I'll focus on what I'm doing for training. It's yeah. Fucking bizarre. The, you know, the, the European style is they develop. And like, if you look at Novikov and how he came up, mm-hmm. I'm sure he was on some stuff, but like they waited until he was on the pro circuit before they really fired it up. And you could see it like, motherfucker him and i were like hitting the same weights in training and then he won the amateur arnold and it was like see ya yep and that's the way that they do it is they they hold them down and they develop them and cycle them until you make the varsity team on the world lineup and then you've developed since you were 12 years old so that whole thing we were talking about about the the three-year you know reigns and competition cycles and stuff like that that's how you get an athlete to have a full competitive five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years is they've developed for 20 years and cool. Now you can just fucking take drugs and crush heavy weights and everything will be cool. Cause yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, man. It, it. Absolutely. And I think people have a tendency of, of disregarding time as a factor in their training, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's always, six months meet, six months meet, whatever it may be. And you're just kind of bouncing around and, and people wonder why their numbers don't increase that much. It's, it's like mm-hmm. five pounds here, whatever. And that's like, they haven't been training for that long and they're still hitting these walls 
It's like, have you taken the time to actually get stronger, to actually put some muscle on, not just ran three weeks of hypertrophy and thinking, okay, now we're going to jump it back into strength. It's like, no, man, like you, you have to spend time doing these different styles of training to get the benefit from them. And then you can build that up over time. And it's just, it is just like an overlapping thing. It's like you just yeah. build and build and build and build. Ed talks about it. Yep. I think, besides being built like a fucking orangutan. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> that is why that motherfucker is the goat is because you, you break down some of the old things that he said about just, just make them a little bit stronger, you know, every year, not each 12 week cycle every year, get that 5% stronger. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, lifting the weight like it's light every time or lifting the light weights like they're heavy and making sure that they move fast the majority of the time and move smooth the majority of the time. He was unintentionally kind of holding himself in that developmental phase, which allowed him for that really long reign and some of these records and shit that still haven't even touched. Um, and I think that's the reason why John Hack is the fucking man because yeah. How often do you see him struggle? How often do you see him break down form? How often do you see him force himself through a fucking workout because I got to work harder? Like mm -hmm. that motherfucker's just chilling. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's fucking, it takes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's that slow cooker approach is people think it takes a long, long time, but I think people would be shocked if they were to try it. So I take a year off and just get better. Don't worry about mm -hmm. competing. Just get better. Mm -hmm. Whatever that looks like, strongman, powerlifting, whatever, right? It's, you'll be shocked at how much fucking awesome work you can get done in a year. Yep. And then if you go, all right, I'm going to take another six months, a year and build again. And yep. then that's where you go back to what you were saying with the four-year timeline is, is if you knew you had three years to get as fucking jacked and strong as you possibly can, dude, that fires me the fuck up. Like just yeah. not like allowing yourself to just stop worrying about the competition and realize yep. the competition happens when you're ready. Yeah. You're not competing and it just interrupts your training. Well, let's think about this one too. Again, back to NCAA and Olympics. Yep. You have uh, practice games, you have scrimmages, you have, Preseason games, you have conference games, you have postseason, and then you have your championship. Yep. That's six or seven tiers of importance of competition. Whereas, you know, strength sports, they're like, this is the fucking one. <laughs> it's not, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's no, and it, so back back to the European style. One of the like, in in relating it to what I was talking about the throwing right taking the box jumps taking the conditioning and then taking the technique and combining it you do that with everything those motherfuckers will sit there and play frisbee and soccer and basketball all day in their free time after their training sessions to practice competitiveness mm -hmm. right they'll play chess to practice competitiveness so when they actually get to their like they're bringing all these skills up to make this final product Right. Instead of a lot of people think that linear means adding weight week after week after week. And it does. But what we're talking about is linear progress, linear effort, 
trying to achieve something by just fucking going straight forward on one thing, practicing all of these things in the competition lift until you get there. That, that is the linear progress that we want to avoid, right? When it comes to adding weight week after week after week for six to eight weeks, we actually want the ability to do that. But it comes from this preparation phase to allow yourself to have that linear progression for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And, and Dave has mentioned this plenty of time is like, you need to train to get ready to train, right? Yes. You, you, you get in to... shape to fucking train. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I remember just back when I was doing strongman more regularly is like, if I tried to do what I was doing in the midst of a, a of a contest prep, weeks months before i'd be fucking dead like I, you can't handle it like it, it, it's amazing and strongman was like really one of the only worlds that i've experienced this is like say you hit a fucking 300 pound log in one day great if you try to just keep hitting that same number over and over and over you're gonna fucking get leveled and mm-hmm. you're gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and it was the only thing. It's when I was working with Matt Mills. And he's like, drop that fucking weight down, work on technique and build it back up. And then it was like 315. And then yeah. it went like, so you're not just running your head into the wall with the end goal. You're taking the time to build up the, yeah. the skill set and the positions that carry over to that goal and allow you to express it when the time is right. Yeah. Look at so stones is my favorite example for this. I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but stones is one thing where I can confidently say I'm a good fucking stone lifter. Sure. And guess how many times I've lifted stones per year for the last three or four years? Oh, I was going to say twice. I was going to say yeah, two, two times. Like one to three times Yeah. per year. And it's like you get your fucking squats up, you get bigger, you get your speed up, you get your agility up. You visual, like I'm constantly visualizing lifting stones, uh-huh. right? You're always thinking about that. So all of these things are being brought up, like we talked about. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit different for like powerlifting. And like you do have to practice the specificities of your sport. Um, but, yeah, you need to take confidence in the fundamentals and, you know. You, that's a good example because that's actually what happened to me with the last strongman show I did out in Nebraska. I I didn't train stones like you I smoked I those. trained, dude. I trained them one time and it was terrible. I like I felt like shit. Like my elbows felt terrible. I did like fuck it, just just like one rep with the stones. Like nah, I'm done. Nah, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, fucking. And honestly, it was just like you had said. It's like my squat was going up. My deadlift was going up. My carries were killer. And it was like, just carried that in. And all of a sudden it was just like, boom. And how much neurological feedback and visualizing did that shitty run give you? Cause you're sitting there like obsessing about the execution without even trying. You're like, okay, it's gotta look like this. It's gotta look uh-huh. like this. Yep. And that's what does it. And you're going for that. When your hands are set underneath, you're going for that feeling where it's like, okay, we're there. Like mm-hmm. I, this thing is going to get ripped off the fucking ground. And you're right. And it comes from just building that skill over the course of time. But once you get to a certain level of of mastery at that skill, now you're just building the qualities of that skill as opposed to the skill in and of itself. Right. It's, I didn't have to worry about how to pick a stone. 
I was worrying about how to successfully transition from one to the next to get my feet moving as they should. But ironically enough, during that training block, I was doing loaded carries like a son of a bitch because mm-hmm. they just, and I was going faster and fa- I was just timing myself, adding a little bit of weight each week, going faster and faster and faster. And I found that my foot speed was there. Yes. Right. So it was, it's really cool to experience that. But it, again, it, it really boils down to having that end goal in mind, understanding how to get there and, and realizing the, the attributes that you're actually trying to get better with. Yeah. So we have gone for about an hour and five minutes. Dude, this, I swear to God, I could talk to you for days, days on end. I, uh, what are you working on now? I saw you just put up a, a strength program up on your story again, that you're kind of just showcasing what you've been doing for that, which I always think is fucking awesome. Can you edit this next part out? Yeah, absolutely. I got to piss so bad. Okay, <laughs> I'll just pause it. We'll be good. Sorry. You're good. Just go right back. Wrap this bad bitch up. Just wait. And we're and we're back after the pee break. Yay. <laughs> so yeah, what are you kind of working on now? What sort of directions are you going in? I think a lot of people would definitely be interested in hearing that. As far as my own athletics or Yeah, your own training, you, you know, what you got planned for for programs you may be writing or anything like that. Um as far as like content development, I'm still trying to figure out like how to put myself out there because it just doesn't click all the time. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to get better about just like, like you told me a while back, just fucking put the camera on and start going. Uh, but typically I start going and then remember later, you should have put the camera on. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just practicing still at a lot of that stuff. Um, but as far as my own athletic goals, Oh, I do have an article that I'm working on, um, on, uh, what I call triple flexion, mm-hmm. which is the precursor for triple extension, uh, which is kind of like, you know, you see a lot of power lifters. They just, you're able to just slam your hips through. And, and it's a lot of, a lot of this, right? Not upward movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this, this article kind of goes over how to use your feet, knees, hips, and shoulders together to sequence up just like you were doing a clean, but more for a power lift or a bench squat and deadlift. Uh, so that's something I'm working on that will hopefully be done by the end of the week. Um, as far as my personal goals go, uh, I'm, I'm trying to qualify for the Shaw. That's going to be really hard for me to do, but I'm kind of doing it as like uh, Josh, one of my, higher level strongman competitors. He wants to be there at the show and I'm going to be his training partner for that prep. And so I'm just like, just like I did with Ben, I'm just doing it with him. Yep. Um, so that's going to be my, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a backseat and let him coach sometimes. And he's going to let me coach sometimes. So it's, it's going to be a good, good partner thing where I'm, I'm going to get a lot out of it as well for my own athletics. Um, so I'm going to try to qualify for the Shaw and then the show that I, have in mind is uh rainier classic up in washington um that one's it's a pro-am so it's open to professionals and amateurs if you win the show you win your pro card um so i just like i I want the pro card but i'm not in a rush 
my ultimate goal is to get the pro card so that I have the open door to go to America's Strongest Man every year. Um, and then, and then I just kind of want to develop what we talked about, about year cycles. Um, since that'll be the same time every year, I, I want to develop that for strongman and, and just kind of like go through it myself as, as the, the work and the research, you know what I mean? Um, so I, ideally I want to do ASM in or strongman in December and then like grappling or bodybuilding or powerlifting or something else in the exact opposite time of the year mm-hmm. and, and start to show the developmental cycles and how they all kind of come together. And one on the other side of the year can bring up the other on the other side of the year. Um, so that's actually the, the name I, came up with for this training system is loop periodization. That's, that's going to be the name that I use for my training system that I've developed and going to start promoting as my brand and stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, probably coming up this year. Um, so, um, that's about it. Just slowly killing myself, shaving years off my life. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great, man. And that's, you're right. We've had conversations on on the the content aspect of things and, and that's, like I, I, I see the stuff you put out and I love it. And I'm just like, dude, just keep going. Just fucking keep going. Keep building I, the conversations that we have. And like I said, I'd love to get you on as many times as you want here, because I think some of the best stuff that comes out of these through conversation, it's like, this is the, the gold. Like this is the nuggets that people need to hear is, is how things are implemented, the thought process that goes into these things. And, and again, you do such a great job of explaining things and really trying to dig into the real root of what's going on that it's, it just helps everybody. It helps athletes. It helps coaches. It, it just ups the, ups the game of everybody because every time I have a conversation with you, I have these ideas in my head that make my clients better, that make my athletes better based on just the things that you mentioned, the perspective that you give and I think that you do a lot more for the community than you think you do by just being yourself and expressing these ideas because it's like, dude, you, you allow other people to think better and to think outside the box of what usually, you know, coaches would, would be able to have for a discussion. It's like, it's like, yes, we, we spent the last hour talking about training, but like it really wasn't just training. Right. Like it was training was the tool that we were using to express these other ideas. And it's like, that's where the real gold is for, yeah. for anybody looking to get better in their sport or it, as a coach themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's been so cool this last year. I've, I've realized that like, I feel like I've come to that, like that wall where you kind of see the end of the rabbit hole and you realize the pursuit of strength is the same principles that you need to improve your integrity because integrity is tolerance to fucking bullshit. Right. Yep. And, um, yeah, look, yeah. Like you said, like these, these are the fundamentals of, of life. And that's, that's why I love the pursuit of strength so much is because it should just makes you a better person. You're right. You're right. And these conversations make people better athletes, better coaches, better. It's, it's great to see. And it's even better to be a part of man. Like, like I said, I, I really think that there is a, a good opportunity, hopefully this summer, if your schedule allows, yep. that we'll be able to kind of connect in person and, and bring some of these conversations to other people. Because again, it's 
it's I when I whenever I talk to you about like setting up a seminar or setting up something that we want to do, it's it's not about just standing in front of a whiteboard and just being like, this is this and this is it's like we want this to be an interactive experience. We want it to be based on the people in the room that show up because it's like mm-hmm. this living, breathing thing is we can provide these insights into these people's, you know, training styles or coaching styles or just just gather more information and disseminate it to more people and it, it just provide a better impact. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing I'm most excited about is because get me and you in the room with a bunch of caffeine and we got like some wild shit that's probably going to come out and uh, hopefully the cameras are rolling because that will, yeah. that'll, that'll be good too, man. But no, like I said, I, you're one of the few people again that I would trust with the closest people in my life to coach. And, and I truly appreciate what you do and, and how you do it and how you treat the people around you. It, it's amazing to see in, in a world full of bullshit. It's nice to have some Taylor floating around. You know what I mean? I, I really appreciate that, man. I, I feel the same way about you. Well, if you last words are all yours, if anything you want to pimp out, anything you want to say, it's all you. Keep getting strong, guys. That's it. That's it. Love it. So, guys, thank you very much for checking out this episode. I'll put all the links to, to Taylor down below. You can check him out. He's got all sorts of amazing information floating around his Instagram, floating around his stories. He puts programs out all the time that are just really fucking cool and really well thought out. His YouTube is fantastic. He, he really puts a lot of effort into explaining things and breaking things down in a way that, for the most part, most people don't think about, right? So I think, again, I, I'm just going to gas you up even more. <laughs> just keep following what he does. Uh, be on the lookout for some projects that we have coming out together. And uh, overall, just pumped to uh, have you on again. And I'm sure this will not be the last time. Hopefully not. I really appreciate it, (laughs) Sam. You got it. All right, guys. Thank you very much for checking it out, and we'll see you in the next one.